Welcome to the eighth episode of the Play On Canada podcast. We share coast to coast stories across Canada about play on street hockey events. I'm Miss Capano alongside Brendan Scott. How have you been lately, buddy? You know what, Vincent? I'm doing fantastic right now. Uh, you know, I'm having fun doing this podcast weekly with you. And then uh, for myself personally, I got some big news, Vinny. I have booked my first ever vacation. I'm going to be heading to Banff, Alberta in August. And I know our listeners are going to be hearing all about that in a later podcast. But I am just thrilled Uh uh, I can't wait to see the mountains, and uh, you know it's nice to take a break every once in a while. So it's gonna be so refreshing, and I literally cannot wait. It sounds exciting. Well, you're going to Banff. I'm preparing to go back to school. But how are you preparing your trip? Well, uh, for starters, I'm trying to get a good pair of hiking boots. You know, because I, I, there's a lot of great trails in Banff and uh, just that whole part of Alberta right there. So I plan on doing a quite a bit of that. And then also, uh, and I don't know if this is going to age me at all, but I've been training, trying to work out. So I look better when I take that selfie with the mountains in the background, because I feel like that's just going to be a legendary picture. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that does age me a little bit saying that. I don't know how that comes off, but uh, that's so that's been keeping me busy and I've been training for it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You said a selfie? Is this is that what we just heard? Oh yeah, selfies the time, especially when you have the cool scenery in Banff. It's you cannot get a selfie with the mountains in the background, and uh, it, it's kind of weird that that's like the thing I'm looking forward to. It's not the only thing. Don't get me wrong, our play on podcast listeners. That's not the only thing I'm excited for. But that's definitely like I can't wait to get a picture with the mountains in the background. You're telling me, Vince, you don't want a picture with the mountains? I would. I would want a picture with the mountains, but I wouldn't do a selfie because my selfie game is not good. <laughs> so how are you? Are you uh, starting to go in the mirror and kind of? Like, look at different poses for the selfie no i i've honestly i'm just trying to focus to look a little better you know drop a little bit of fat and uh, maybe put on a little bit of muscle like so so that's my training aspect uh you know a, a selfie it's just a natural gift anyone born in the 90s probably has like 90s to 2000s so uh it may, maybe that does uh, age myself a little bit maybe our listeners could guess how old i am but it's uh I just can't wait. I think it's going to be a legendary picture. I got a final question on the selfie. What are you you going to do with your hair? Because you got a haircut recently, I noticed. It looks good. But what are you going to do with your hair in the selfie? See, uh, that's the thing. It's it's going to be a long hike up the mountain because you want to get that full scenic view, right? So I might just wear a hat to kind of hide my messy hair, like sweating, going up a mountain right now. So that's what I think I'm going to end up doing. But uh, we'll we'll see. It's good. it all depends on weather. You know, if it gets too hot, then you can't really put too much gel in your hair, right? Right, right. This is true. Well, you're talking about a great topic that we talked about in our next guest in tourism. So coming up, we have uh, Brandon Picard, who's a manager of tourism at the Regional Municipality of Durham. Uh, great conversation. He worked as an intern with Play On, and now he's come back to share his story but what can you tell us about our conversation with the, one of the brightest leaders in tourism well this was a really fun conversation and also it was almost like a learning experience for me just because uh brandon picard he's such a intelligent person and he's a person that really knows what he's doing he shares some uh, interesting uh 
snippets of uh, his job and how to be successful. And also, uh, he's hilarious. He's a he's just a fun guy in general. So it was crazy to hear his stories, and also who would win in a, a shootout against him or Scott Hill. So that was a really fun answer for me. And uh, yeah, Brandon's just an all around solid dude that uh, I can't wait to meet in person at our next play on event. Yes. And he's a Brock Spima grad, which I am too. And we ran the same student council. He was at the very beginning and I was more recent. So that's kind of fun too. Okay. Brandon Picard coming up after this. Welcome back, Play on Canada podcast. From Play on intern to now being one of the brightest leaders in Canada tourism sector, Brandon Pickard is the manager of tourism at the regional municipality of Durham. Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for doing this. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, I guess it's it's great to be back. I've spent a lot of time at home lately, so some fond memories of playing hockey in the driveway and. Uh, connecting back with with the team at Play on Canada, so this is this one's going to be exciting for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm very excited to get going on this podcast as well. It sounds like you have a couple of stories to hit it up your sleeve right now, Brandon. But first thing, uh, we want you to settle something real quick. Uh, me and Vince, we were, we hashed this out in our intro of this podcast about whether or not we think. Uh, so I booked for a little bit of a backstory. I booked my first ever vacation. And uh, right now I've been working out, trying to get active. So I look good in the selfie picture that I'm going to take. Now, is this, uh, is, is this age me at all, Brandon? Or what's your thoughts on this? Is this, uh, or is this just me kind of goofy in my own head type of thing? Well, I mean, I think the key takeaway here, since it's a sports-themed podcast, is you've given yourself a goal to reach to look good by the time you go on vacation. So I think if... If taking that real hot boy summer selfie is is the goal, I, I absolutely think you're not dating yourself, and and I'll cheer you on. Just uh, I'll I'll be on Instagram waiting waiting to see it. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, yeah, me and Vince, we kind of Vince almost gave me a little bit of a look when I said that. I was like, I just want to look good for the picture, you know. I was a little concerned, a little concerned with the hair because I know you got a haircut and. We, we both got haircuts, so, you know, there's some discussion going on. Where's the vacation planned, or is it dependent on the on the selfie? It, it's going to be in Banff, so I'm hoping to get nice. a nice uh, mountain background. Uh, you know, really uh, get to see the country for a little bit, see what it's like. I, I've never been out of Ontario, uh, okay. of, uh, Disney World in Chicago as a kid, so uh, th- this is a real good opportunity for me to kind of explore, and uh, I, I can't wait. Amazing. I just came back from Banff recently, would highly recommend it. We rented an RV, worked our way through the mountains, national parks. Uh, it's incredible. We can certainly chat mountain life offline. I'd be uh, happy to make some recommendations. Uh, that's awesome. I think we definitely do have to get in the conversation here off the pod, but I'm sure our listeners, they kind of want to know a little more about you, Brandon. So uh, let's rewind the clock a little bit to your time with Play On. Uh, kind of give me a description of what you had to do for the team and uh, just uh, your role and in, in, uh, your interaction with Scott Hill playing on the, in the streets. Uh, that's always yeah. a fun story I want to hear. <laughs> I think Scott would love if uh, I gave him a compliment on his stick handling and scoring ability. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll leave those comments for the end and talk about the actual experience. Working for Play On, uh, it was really interesting. 
Um, I'm a graduate of Brock University Sport Management Program. And I was in my first year of university and quickly realized that, geez, some of my colleagues have, have some hookups in the sport industry. They, they might have streams they want to go on. I don't really know, know anyone. I should kind of get involved. So I got involved with student council, um, just volunteered with different organizations, got a feel for where I wanted to be. And, and I'd been living in London. I grew up in, in London, Ontario. Um, I'd worked for Coca-Cola and Pepsi just doing merchandising. So kind of early, early start in, into some really strong global marketing skills, just merchandising, working in the warehouse. So product placement, customer flow in stores. Um, and so that's, I, I did that in my first summer between university and then second year as a kid, I need to start getting some sport experience, put it on my resume. Everyone's looking for, you know, a minimum of three years experience when you get out of university and you're like, shoot, what am I going to do? Like, so I saw this opportunity for a two month internship with Hockey Night in Canada's play on. I was like, cool, let's go for it. So I sent in an application and, and got a call from Scott Hill and, and we met had a Boston pizza and, and I signed on as, as an internship. And, you know, we were, we were based out of London at the time, uh, holding the event downtown London. I think there might've been 10 or 11 events at that point across the country. So event logistics, working with the city, closing streets, vendors, marketing, sponsorship. It, it was kind of this full on experience in the sport industry. And I was super excited to get into it because I was like, cool, I'll do this big, event internship and kind of figure out if I like the marketing, the logistics, the operations, like I'll figure out where my niche is in sport and, and kind of go from there. And I kind of realized I just loved major events and, and every component within it. So it was, it was a really, really cool opportunity, you know, outside of event management and media and, and officiating. I think, I think I spent most of my time working at play on doing all other duties as assigned. Uh, that is one line that uh, just gets flexed so often. <laughs> Everybody has to wear a different hat, right? Or uh, they have Absolutely. multiple hats. That's, that's the great thing about sport. Every, every day is a different day. Um, any lessons that you learned from your play on experience? I think I learned so much, you know, working with play on, working with a, a, na a national network of franchisees. I mean, play on was the platform for experience and so different franchisees would lease the rights to the event and then essentially they took the concept which was festival street hockey bringing the community together and they got to put their own stamp on it in each community you know working with local musicians or artists um, bringing different interest groups down i think one thing that i really learned is is the true power of sport and how it really does connect and unite us all and, and we've kind of learned a lot of those lessons through covid or anytime we've experienced you know something bad that happens in the world we kind of all gravitate back towards sport you kind of leave politics and, and, and religion and all of these other things kind of outside and you just play whatever that game was and so play on was this platform to bring the community out and it gave individuals an opportunity to play with their friends you didn't have to be registered in minor hockey or soccer to be on a team you could have your neighborhood friends that you played with after school and you could organize yourself and there was no coaches there was just it was seven kids seven adults seven friends that just came to play a game that had typically been played in parking lots and on the roads and, and in your neighborhoods on this grand scale where you're amongst five, 600 teams, um, if not more, at some of the larger events, but you're still getting the, the experience of a smaller event 
because of all the touch points, when everything from marketing and activation comes together and your entire experience from registering to showing up to the event, to playing in the game, to, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still wearing t-shirts around that say champion on them. I see play on shirts in the gym all the time, volunteer, security, official, people that volunteer, ref, they gave up time. Like it took, it took an absolute village. And I, and I learned that, you know, many hands make light, light work. And one of the, the biggest lessons I learned was, um, you know, leveraging teamwork and, and not taking every call on the radio and knowing that there's a team around them. And when you have good communication skills and everyone's working together, typically, you know, leading up to the event, there was different stressors as, as any large, large scale event does. You want to make sure everything goes right because people are spending money to compete in these events and we're, we have a national standard to deliver a great time. And so it became, you know, very rewarding just seeing all that come together. And if we did it right, and we got it right most of the time, when we dropped the ball on Saturday morning and when we dropped the, or on, yeah, on Saturday morning, when we dropped the ball again on Sunday morning, in theory, the tournament would kind of run itself. And, and so many times we did. And that was, you know, good leadership from the national office, very responsive organizers, enough people coming to help out. Um, and it really made for these, special amazing moments that were otherwise just a game seven in a driveway now it was game seven in a driveway downtown London Ontario that's pretty cool there's a lot to unpack in that answer uh, but Brandon uh, just seeing your title right now as the manager of tourism in the municipality of Durham and also previously working for play on you kind of have your foot on both sides of the table right now uh, I just want to know a little more in depth about what it takes to kind of host an event like play on in a, in a different city, in a different town and what kind of hurdles that need to be jumped on both sides uh, working together. It's pretty cool to kind of take in a bit of a three, 360 degree tour of the industry, you know, even prior to, to joining the regional municipality of Durham, I was working for tourism Kingston and, and, and I was involved as the sport sport tourism development officer. And my job was entirely that just bringing sporting events to the city. And I think, there's a lot of factors that that go into play to hosting and, and being ready to host. And, and a lot of it's, you know, looking at your availability. The nice thing about Play On is that you're doing it on city streets. And I think one of the challenges that I think we ran into along the way with, with Play On at some points was the size and the magnitude of these events and the, the sheer volume of roads that were required to be closed at the time. So, you know, multiple kilometers in a downtown core that cities have concern. And I think we were, we were also hosting some of these events, you know, prior to some uh, transportation master plan improvements. So now if we fast forward to 2021 and we're looking at um, these downtown cores, which are kind of the best points, if, if you can be near a business improvement association, a core of, of commercial stakeholders, whether it's restaurants, stores, shops, things to do, um, maybe near a park, that's when play on can really generate a lot of economic impact in the city because you're, you're bringing people to the merchants. And I think in some places, we're seeing that infrastructure. We're seeing events like open streets and closing of the Gardner Highway and, and multimodal transportation, walking, biking, um, the subway system, light rail transit coming in. I think there's more ways to move people around the city and people are becoming accustomed to that more European model where we can close streets to foot traffic. And so I think that's, I think that's a big opportunity for some cities. And, and I know a lot of them are looking at them and we're certainly seeing that in our communities. The more you can activate in your downtown spaces, there's a really great 
um, downtown theorist. His name's Roger Brooks. He's out of USA. And he talks a lot about making your downtown sticky, activating downtown. So always having programming, bringing people down. It could be a busker. Uh, you have five restaurants with patios. The town pays for a busker to play guitar there from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. You get the after work crowd that's maybe going for a drink, a light appetizer. That band is playing there. Maybe they stay for dinner or it keeps people down there. So you do music, light shows, things that bring people downtown and about like play on where it's not just about street hockey. It's about community coming together by performance, um, sprawling space, the activations from some of the sponsors. So you get that festival feel. I think that's what we're all looking for. And not to mention coming out of COVID-19, there's some reservations. I think I think we're all going to have reservations and, and we're going to be at different segments. But an event like Play On where you can safely spread people out in an outdoor segment, you can you know restrict uh, divisions to you know common areas of a festival. So the more space that a city can make available, um, it's kind of a better experience for everyone. It's a better showcase, especially with the amount of media coverage that comes. So I think, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity, but I would focus on that festival atmosphere, especially relating to COVID and and the want for outdoor experiences. That is like an A plus answer right there, everybody. (laughs) An A plus answer. You talked about community. How do you think Play On affects the community? Honestly, I think that I think that question's best. Just go ask somebody who's played in a Play On event. Like I'll answer it as someone who's played in in multiple games and staff teams. And honestly, I think it's, so when I first started as an intern, I didn't know what to expect. Like I played street hockey every day after school with my friends, like did tournaments. When I was at Brock, we we ran this like underground hockey tournament. It was called the Cerisic Brock Cup. We usually got four teams and the draft was based on like whoever had the worst equipment got to pick first. So one year I went to the draft as a goalie and just wore the worst equipment so I could draft first and and got the pick and so it's moments like this where you're taking this tournament that typically happens on a tennis court in St. Catharines or the back of a Walmart parking lot with nobody now you're taking that same group of friends and you're putting us in a downtown location and we're playing with fences and sponsor boards and scoring in front of booster juice signs I think you feel like a professional athlete it takes takes you from that driveway to the feeling of being a Connor McDavid, former play on player, or Mark Shifley, also former play on player. A lot of people came through because, I mean, they're just like anyone who plays hockey. You probably shot around in the driveway or into a washer dryer. So I think it sponsorship is kind of, there's like kind of this platform. It's like you have the, the average individual is down here. Your professional athlete is up here and sponsorship is a space in the middle. So you could look at Nike as kind of, or sorry, Serena Venus Williams as kind of the top professional athlete. And then you have your average tennis player. Well, the average tennis player through sponsorship can go buy the Nike gear and, and make themselves look like Serena Venus when they play on the court. No different than me wearing this Adidas golf shirt um, and feeling like a, a tour pro like Dustin Johnson, for example. So I think that's the cool part. It just invokes that feeling. And then you have people watching you and, and celebrating it. And there's, trophies and there's music and you know music playing like you're warming up for that big game so i think play on has so many great memories whether you won lost hit the post on a penalty shot or a shootout or a ref blew a call and your team lost because of that ref and you and your buddies still get together and talk about that ref that 
you know, you guys might have been in the NHL if you just won that sniper division. So it, it's it's pretty cool. I think it's it invokes so many emotions as sport usually does. I always love uh, hearing from our guests. Just hearing about that, just uh, that raw fun of growing up and playing street hockey. Uh, but I want to go back to that A plus answer that Vince uh, graded you on, <laughs> and you talked about how uh, it, it's more than just a street hockey event. How you, you kept using the word festival, and that kind of resonated with me a little bit on how uh, like cities and hosts how to try to really take advantage of this tournament and, and grow it. And I just want to see from your sites, uh, just working with the city and you're hosting this, how you try to grow this into making more of a festival than just a, a street hockey tournament. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, it's a really good question, uh, spurring from a really good answer, I guess. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people get hung up trying to make a festival experience and they try and they might try and imitate something from somewhere else or something that they've seen somewhere else. But I think my best advice for any city is, you know, figure out, figure out what your niche is. If I was hosting an event in Hamilton, Ontario, I'd really focus on that arts and culinary scene and try and bridge that together. Like the food scene in Hamilton, Ontario is off the charts. So, so are the arts. And, and we started doing that with play on, you know, applying for celebrate Ontario government grants and bringing in more, more diverse multicultural activities, music, song, dance, interpretation, whatever, whatever it was working with community groups so that we could provide more people with a platform. I mean, Sure, we're closing down the streets and parks for people to play hockey, but we have so much extra space, auxiliary space, and we know that people have multiple interests. You know, just because you play street hockey doesn't mean you don't like ballet or bagpipes. We've we've had some really cool performances, steel drums um, in different venues, and sometimes even just people just showing up and into the park and you know walking on tightrope. So it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of cool when you bring these events into the community. Community just happens and. I always kind of took away from every event. It was kind of like, you'd be so overwhelmed, it'd be going well, like you're just, you're going through and you're trying to make sure everyone's having a good time. And I would always kind of, I, I was never looking for it and then it would just happen. I would always call them like, oh, that was my event moment. Like you'd see a kid and sometimes it could have been like a really cool goal or just the way someone reacted. Like a kid fell and scraped his knee and his little buddy that was seven years old goes over and he, the game's still going. He's like, are you okay? And, and I'm like, that's the moment. Like that's my moment for the weekend for every, every person that yells at me for a blown call for the parent who's not getting enough value. I mean, for some of the bad stuff, there was so many more good moments that were happening around it. And I think that's the nature of sports. Like, I mean, can you even call yourself a Canadian if you haven't yelled at a ref at least once? Like, <laughs> hey, look, bad calls might need need attention every now and then. And and we were, you know, as officials in play on, I'll represent the <laughs> we didn't have a union of officials back then, so we kind of just got thrown on on whatever rink we were assigned to and and, and jump in. But um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's it's competitive, but it's not, but then maybe it gets a little bit competitive, but I mean, it's, it's hockey and it's so much fun. In your answer, I, I feel like it comes across as there's just a connection between everybody. If it's players, if it's uh, officials, if it's sponsorship or even organizers for each, for each event. But I really wanted to ask you what role can sport tourism officials play in making 
the reality that play on Canada returns to this spectacular event? It's a, it's also a good, good question. I think, you know, I think when we're looking at it, we can look at play on, but I think we can go a little bit larger here and look at every sport and, and let's call it our kind of national return to sport plan. I think destinations are best suited to look at events that make sense for their market and look at their shoulder time of years and say, you know, play on typically runs from the spring into the fall. Like, do we have some weekends where we don't have a lot going on? Can we drum up some visitation to our city? I think it's, it's maybe understated because at the height of the program, play on grew to 21 cities across the country. So we were in essentially every major market in Canada and, and so it, it maybe seems like it's a community event because they're happening in so many places, but there's such a huge tourism component to it when you start to look at registration numbers. So I think you have to look at, you know, where do people come from when they're visiting my city? Where do people come from when they're playing sport, when they're coming to my city? And, and can I manufacture something? And I think one of the coolest things when when the program was in was when we had the Redwood Cup National Championship and, and essentially each local or regional event was a qualifying event. So I would akin that to, um, if we're comparing it to golf, like the Canadian Open qualifiers and the US Open qualifiers, if you're um, male or female golfer and you want to qualify for each, you go to a regional competition. So in Ontario, we had a few events and that elite competition was so fierce. And when the top two are only getting birth, you would see the last weekend on in Ottawa, for example, the teams from London or Barrie or Hamilton that didn't qualify for the national championship staying in a hotel down in Ottawa so they could qualify and go compete for the Redwood Cup and the national championship prize. You'd have teams coming from out of town because maybe maybe you're playing soccer or baseball in the summer and and or you got something going on and your friends can only get together the Hamilton weekend. So it's like, Hey, let's make a weekend of it. Let's go, let's go somewhere else. Let's, let's go up to Edmonton, even though we're from Calgary. So we started to see, you know, people planning their weekends around it. I mean, go to Halifax, go to Edmonton. Some of the cities were the largest events out in Vancouver, Burnaby. So many people year over year would come back and, and it was really cool because you get to know, the teams and and I was fortunate, you know, when I worked for Play On, that I got to travel the country and go into each community and meet the players, meet the local franchisees on the ground, and, and met a lot of really great people along the way, and many of whom I'm, I'm still connected with today. Now, Brent, I'm going to shift gears a little bit in this podcast right now. Uh, we had some pretty heavy uh, tourism chat here, but it, one thing I really noticed about you, Brandon, is that you bring that hard hat lunch bell to work every day. You jump over hurdles, you, you tackle any challenge that faces you. But one thing I heard, a courageous act that you did was hopping on the mic and singing the national anthem at a play-on tournament. How crazy was that? Did, did you have the shaky knees, the sweaty palms? Did you did you hit your pitch? Uh, t- tell me about the backstory of this. I don't. I remember this. I remember this now, and and it's so funny. And this connects back to that point. All other duties as a sign. And I think it was London. And for whatever reason, we didn't have an anthem singer that morning. And and it was like, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? I don't know if I put my hand up or if I was voluntold. I was, you know, I was. A long time ago, but I remember, and I, I said to Scott, my my biggest fear was forgetting the words, and I just didn't want to forget the words. And I wasn't in front of anyone; I was just in a microphone behind a tent, so there wasn't really a gallery. Everybody was on 
on the rink and they're like, yeah. Um, so I'm like, this God, I'm like, just come stand near me and, and sing me through this. So I don't forget the words. So I just jumped on the mic and sang the anthem kind of blacked out. It was amazing. Like I didn't pull any Mark Donnelly stunts. Mark had opened up uh, a few of the play on events out on the West coast when he was available. So and he's more of a showman. I was like, let's just, let's just get the words out. Let's get the, let's get the day started on a high note. I think if I recall, like after that anthem, I think the most goals recorded on a single day of play of play on event were scored in that 8 a.m. game. Um, so we'll have to check the stats, but uh, a lot of people were fired up after that anthem call. So um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. You had to be there. You had to be there. That is crazy. Uh, I know we had a uh, guest, Lindsay Sproul, country singer on the podcast, and we asked her because everyone knows the, the lyrics to the Canadian national anthem. That's what you heard to start your day at school every single day so uh about how nervous you were just uh was there any point during the anthem where you thought you were gonna stumble yeah i think you not even a musician so i was gonna say fellow musicians or fellow singers you know you might get that (laughs) feeling where your your cadence is here but your mind is like the next verse down and i think it was just like don't screw it up and then it just came naturally it was I think there was more pressure ahead of the moment than actually in it. And you just like, it just worked. I mean, probably the beneficiary of spending so many nights in in the old London ice house and uh, the now Budweiser gardens and traveling to sports events. Bit of a karaoke star. Are you? (laughs) I've been known to to sing a song or two. I'm not sure who, who you might've been talking to for that. (laughs) Yeah. I've, uh, Our source to say. Yeah, I don't mind singing. It's better like when I'm in the truck by myself and not with an audience, but uh, not bad. Well, I'm sure you, you did a lot better than I would do. So I should be very proud of that. <laughs> We're running out of time here, but the celebrity game is definitely a topic that we want to talk to you about. You have any memories playing in the celebrity game? And we heard you were a great goaltender, which we share a similar uh interest because i was goalie too so that's very cool yeah i the play on celebrity games for something else and honestly i love putting the pads on i think i definitely wanted to be a goalie and and so putting the pads on was pretty cool i think my best celebrity game memory uh was niagara falls national national championship redwood cup celebrity game i'm on a team with cal clutterbuck um of minnesota wild and Cal's doing his thing and I'm playing between the pipes and we got a tight game and, and uh, I let in this goal and I get like absolutely datsu by his name was Jeff. His name was Jeff. Um, he's also a uh, Brock Spima guy and, and he's working with like a career later Canada in the CFL now. He's a really great guy. And he datsu me like just completely undresses me and like one hands in line. And I'm like, Holy, I'm looking at the Ferris wheel down on Clifton Hill and I'm like, oh yeah, there's my Josh trap. I'm like, Frank, how are we going to get this one back? So the game's tied. It's like winding, winding moments. And I'm like butterfly style, like Patrick Wall, I love it. And I play left, left glove. So I shoot, I got to shoot Cujo style. Like I got to go backhand. So I make this glove save and it's like dying moments. And I look up and like I'm going like, I look up and I see Cal Clutterbuck. He's just cherry picking. He's just like, he's down there. He's wide open. And I'm like, all I got is time. So I drop it. I don't even switch Cujo style. I just go left hand, just alley-oop over the crowd. Clutterbuck catches it, puts it down, scores game-winning goal. 
ride off into the sunset, zero contract offers from the NHL. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you get an assist like that. Backstop Cal Clutterbuck to a huge championship, and the guy hasn't even called me back yet either. So I don't know. It's just team I, I don't guy, know I how the Seattle Kraken did select you. That's uh, after hearing that performance. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know. I think the hockey world might need some time to dissect that. But uh, I mean, my thoughts are: how don't you draft Carey? How don't you take Carey Price, who's from Vancouver? Like, let's just open up the U.S. Canada border and sell a bunch of jerseys and tickets. But that's just the marketing and tourism side of me coming out, and not to mention he's one of the hottest goalies in the NHL. That kind of speaks for himself. So you know, I'll always stand up for goalies. You know, fellow fellow goalie, uh, but uh, those play-on games were so much fun, uh, so much fun. Now, I want to play a little scenario with you. Uh, I hear Scott Hill could rifle a ball. Let's just say 10 shootouts, Scott Hill versus you, you're in the net. How many goals uh, is Scott scoring? How many are you saving out of 10? Yeah. Huh. It's a tough one. <laughs> this is a tough one because Scott is good. Scott's good. Like, they're breakaways, right? Yeah, th- this is pure shootout. I'm going to give Scott six and me four just because I think that's that's the nice thing to do. Um, but I actually think we should put the pads on and do it. Like, I'll give him the, like, I'll give him minus 150 going into it. Give him the <laughs> six, four. But, uh, yeah, I think... Let's just take it to the street and settle it there. I'm, I'm sure Scott probably thinks he could get eight or nine. So, and I'm probably thinking the same if I'm being honest. So, <laughs> Scott can shoot the ball. He's left a lot of bruises. When we played ball hockey against each other, I would leave with a lot of welts. And he would always give that. He's so competitive and he's so nice at the same time, but he'll give you that little smirk when he knows he got you like with a good singer. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Scott, it's minus two. Why are we playing with the red ball? And he's like, because it'll hurt you more than it hits you. No. <laughs> <laughs> we always played with the appropriate my like my like rated ball, but yeah, Scott can shoot. No yeah, hands. Jud- judging by that uh, that golden glove save that you did uh, to win the game, I think it might be tight. It might be a close <laughs> one. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Okay, a couple last questions before we wrap this up. What are your thoughts on the top five road hockey players in the country? Yeah, this one. I'm glad you sent me this one in advance, like, cause there's a lot of really good players. And so what I'm going to say is number one is definitely number one. And then two, three, four, and five are kind of like, they're all in there together. And, and so the best player that I think to ever play in the country was Smitter Kyla and Smitter was just an unbelievable ball hockey player, but I owe him one. I was refing the semifinals out in Victoria, the Redwood National Championship, and Smitter's team is playing the home team, Victoria CCP, and right in front of Parliament in Victoria, and there's like, the ball goes out because there, there's a crowd, we didn't put it back in, so I dropped the ball, and I was like, we're going on the whistle. And I blew the whistle, and... Smitter was looking at the other ref to blow the whistle and I blew my whistle from this guy and the guy on the Victoria CCP just scored right away. And I was like, and I swallowed, like, I hate blowing the whistle. Like you, like you ref in the game, you just want to go. But Smitter, there's a picture, there's a picture, one of the photographers got it. And I'm just standing there with the whistle and Smitter is just yelling at me, but he was one of the best, most competitive, best hands, nicest, nicest players. So 
he takes number one. I finally get that off my conscience. You know, one of those calls you miss as a ref, but uh, super good. And then number two, I'd go Nelson Vargas Diaz from Montreal. Uh, number three, Dampy Brar. Um, Dampy's like a much better community member than he is ball hockey player too. If I'm, I'm being honest, um, he's a recent Willie real award winner from the NHL for his work in, in the community. Um, number four might surprise some people, uh, but I went with Justin Dontremont and honestly, this guy just had probably one of some of the most heart I've ever seen uh, of any athlete, just blocking shots, laying it out there. They were one of those, you know, great grinder teams, brought the lunch pail to every event, traveled somewhere else if they needed to qualify and just showed up every time. And then the fifth best hockey player, I'm going with Scott Hill here. And this isn't a suck up moment. This is, this is so Scott might not be the best ball hockey player, but he lays it all out there. He's got a really wicked shot, but honestly, Scott Hill is the guy that took street hockey from Redwood Road in Kingsville, Ontario, where he played with his brothers and buddies and brought it to 21 cities across the country and gave every one of us that's been connected through the program an opportunity to play street hockey professionally, essentially, or professional in our own right. And I think, you know, that's admirable. And and I love that play on's coming back right now. And and the way I see it, you know, it's good for these types of events to go away and come back sometimes to evolve. I think you'll see a lot of players that want to return. And, and I know Scott's doing a lot of work reaching out to communities and sponsors. And I kind of see, you know, the time right now is like Scott saying, you know what, we're returning to sport and to any community or any sponsor that wants to get involved. Pretend your doorbell just rang and Scott Hill is just standing out on your doorstep with a hockey stick saying, do you want to come play hockey? And and if it works for your business and it works for your community, it's it's a lot of fun. So I think that's super cool. It's uh, And that's where the Redwood Cup obviously gets its name, Redwood Road. So uh, there you go, Scott. I can now say, like, I'll probably stop eight or nine, but I had to butter them up first. Like, we can't <laughs> leave them on red. But uh, no, I think... It takes a village, and, and and I think even looking at that top five, and you look at any team, like when we focus on having fun and making it about the athlete experience or the individual experience, we all win. Uh, we know the pipeline and the funnel to get to professional sports, to the Olympics, to uh, the WNBA, the NCAA. It's it's so narrow, but, you know, if we can use sport to, to raise good children, to become good people in the community, to learn to get back, to volunteer – I think you're winning it and you see that at play on events when you have 150 refs that volunteer their time or get paid a nominal fee um, and have a lot of fun doing it and come back year over year. Um, it's no different than community community businesses supporting that local minor hockey team or soccer team. And, you know, when we give people an opportunity to play, there's there's so much fun that we can have together. That was amazing. Uh, thank you, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> That, that was certainly cool to hear uh, how Scott Hill cracked your top five, uh, and he has done some wonderful things for the sport and, and just bringing Canada together. And uh, what's not to like about that? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I got paid to work in street hockey. Like a lot of guys get paid to play hockey, but like I got paid to play street hockey or to organize street hockey. And, and I think that's cool. It's kind of the, fra- the fabric of communities. You know, you see it a lot now. And, and you see the success that Play On, you know, modeled itself around Gus Macker, NBA 3-on-3, evolving major mass production events. 
but doing it on a larger scale with hundred foot hockey rinks and, and a much larger footprint and, and just continuing to evolve. And that's very much where we are now. It's where we're looking at what is the evolution of, of outdoor sports and let's call it outdoor sports and theatrics and entertainment. Let's, let's create a buzz. Let's give people something to do and something to watch. Um, in your downtown core, bring an event to your community and, and have some fun. Well, we can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Um, I pr- I'm pretty sure the slogan of Brock is once a badger, always a badger. And once an intern for play on always family. So thank you so much for being on. Come back anytime. Click that subscribe button on YouTube because we want more subscribers on YouTube. So click it. And we'll be back with Final Thoughts right after this. Final Thoughts. We just spoke with Brandon Picard, the manager of tourism uh, at the regional municipality of Durham. A fascinating conversation with him. What are your final thoughts? I really want to see that showdown between him and Scott Hill. I'm not going to lie to you, Vinny. Because uh, he talks a big game with that lovely save he did to win the game. So uh, I think he's uh, maybe letting off just about how good he really is. But uh, apparently Scott Hill, he he could wire one. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. And uh, hopefully we get to see it soon. Brandon strapping on the pads and Scott Hill grabbing his twig out of the garage. You know, so I, I think that'd be really cool to see. Uh, and then outside of that, like I mentioned in the intro, like Brandon Picard's a really intelligent person. So it was fascinating to hear just a little bit of the background of getting this tournament settled in a city and just how they could really capitalize on that event. For me, like I've always played the sports, I've I've went to the events or something like that, but to hear the process of really how it comes together was really interesting and I hope our listeners love it. Uh, What are your final thoughts, Vinny? As you said, it takes a real team to put this event together. It's not just getting hockey sticks and nets. It's getting permits for locations. It's getting government support. It's getting all these different things in line so the event can eventually happen. So I thought the the, the behind the scenes of the event was very interesting. And he ranked Sky Hill fifth, I believe, on his list of top five players in road hockey in Canada. I found that pretty fascinating. I didn't know Sky Hill was that good. Yeah, it's... Uh... We've been hearing some mixed reviews on him so far from our guest. First, he's a cherry picker. Now he's a top five player in the country. So, uh, I think we need to we we need to find a way to settle this, Vince. I uh, we we need to see Scott Hill in action live. That's what I think we need to do. Yes, I would love to see that. Imagine him <laughs> going on going in a shootout with uh, Brendan in net. I thought I think that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like that's something. Uh, like I mentioned previously, is just that that's something I want to see happen. You know, I feel like these are two uh, fiery individuals, especially when there's a competitive game on the line. So I think they'll both give it their all, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. We will see for sure. He called us tremendous hosts at the end of our conversation, and we appreciate that for sure. Okay, I think that's it. Wow, these weeks are going. By so fast, so many episodes, and we're going to keep going. Yeah, this has been a really fun ride, and hopefully our listeners are enjoying it too, uh, as much as we are having these conversations. So uh, don't forget to let us know. Drop a comment. Drop those comments. At Play on Canada on social media, and we're even on TikTok, and we have secured 
over 1 million views on TikTok. So that's pretty exciting too. And we keep growing that platform as well. Okay, we'll be back. All new episode next week on Thursday. Have a wonderful week. Be kind to one another. And we'll see you next week.